views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. Yo, check out my DJ skills. Dag, yo, those are mad DJ skills. KUCI Irvine. Bubba Bass, how low can you go? Good morning, all. Welcome to Ask a Leader. I am your host, Claudia Shamba, welcoming you to my February 19th, 2013 edition. Today, we're going to uh, hear from UC Irvine's own professor and founding director of the program in nursing, Dr. Ellen Olshansky. She'll post us on who's coming for this training and where they're headed as the Affordable Health Care Act is increasingly becoming institutionalized and new points of service are being developed to meet the needs of so many kinds of patients. Now, she covers a lot of ground and she graciously will devote a half of an hour this to us. After that, we'll get to the bottom of what that collision was that occurred at Congressman Dana Rohrbacher's D.C. office two weeks ago. Jessica Bravo, an undocumented minor hailing from Costa Mesa, will tell us herself here in Studio A about the special reception she got and what it's like to put together the paperwork toward legalizing her residency here. Don't go away. We'll be right back after a brief interlude. everybody for joining us here on Ask a Leader. My first guest is Dr. Ellen Olchansky, professor and founding director of the program in nursing science at UC Irvine. Dr. Olshansky received a Bachelor of Arts in Social Work at UC Berkeley and then studied at the University of California, San Francisco, where she received three degrees, her bachelor's, master's, and PhD degrees in nursing science. She has experience as a staff nurse and a women's health nurse practitioner. She's been a faculty member of the Oregon Health Sciences University, the University of Washington, and Duquesne University and uh, University of Pittsburgh, then here at UC Irvine, where she's been since 2007. Dr. Olshansky's work encompasses women's health across the lifespan. Her current research includes physical activity in neonates, pain management in underserved populations, and a partnership uh, between moms, OC, um, OC Orange County, and UCI program in nursing science. I last encountered Ellen Olshansky as she was testifying before the Irvine City Council on behalf of the city's Ir- Irvine Children Health, I'm sorry, Irvine Children Youth and Families Advisory Committee, something that the uh, some of the council members were thinking we could chuck, but with uh, the, the heft of her stations um, contributing to the important testimony, she was able to... Um, help persuade that this uh, this advisory committee is a really important one. Um, she's amazing in her reach around all of our community. Welcome to Ask a Leader, Dr. Olshansky. 
Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here. Well, today, um, under your leadership in the program in nursing science at UCI, which began in 2007, it's you've graduated four classes of bachelors of uh, nursing, uh, bachelors of science in nursing. Was the vast majority employed in hospitals, primarily at UCI Medical Center, but also Hogue and Mission. Memorial Care, St. Joseph's Chalk, and others. And the program's graduated two classes now of, of master's students who are now working as primary care family and adult geriatric course practitioners. Um, this, the program's currently accepting applications for the first class of PhD students to matriculate in 2013. Um, let's let's talk about the the training here, the what you're uh, preparing them for in terms of the clinical. Uh, advanced practical roles, administrative and research positions. Um, how is the Affordable Health Care Act changing in which you're training your students, Dr. Olshansky? The Affordable Care, uh, the Affordable Care Act is, um, contributes greatly to, to what we're doing, although in many ways we've always been educating our students along the lines of what is being emphasized in the Affordable Care Act. What that act is, is really emphasizing now is more focus on health promotion and illness prevention, uh, more of a focus on primary care. In other words, trying to get people into health care so that we can help prevent illness is from occurring. Um, obviously, we can't prevent everything, but you know we can provide more education and do more early screening. So our program, particularly our master's program, is focused on primary care. Our master's degree program uh, educates nurses to become nurse practitioners, or another term for that is advanced practice nurses who work in primary care settings focusing either on adult and family um, issues or on um, geriatric nursing, um, of working with older adults. So that is very much in line with the Affordable Care Act, which is focused on health promotion and illness prevention. And that's where I guess the administration's refrain on, you know, saving money is about if we can get in more emphasis on the preventative side and ahead of of these chronic uh, acute uh, health problems um, in the general public health message that the Affordable Health Care Act is going to save the Treasury a lot, and that's where the nurses come in. That's and, right. And that's more, right. We're, and and proportionately, let's say more nurses are are the uh, we'll say the, the boots by the bed, not <laughs> boots on the ground. The uh, the the shoes, the uh, the um, what do they call the Crocs by the bed? Um, that they're uh, a larger and larger share of the patient care than ever before. Is that correct? Right. Right, right. And, um, and you're talking about at the bedside, which is true, but also, again, focusing on the Affordable Care Act and its emphasis on primary care. There is a very significant shortage of primary care providers, both physicians and nurses. And, and we are finding that nurse practitioners can um, definitely contribute to this important area. So let's talk a bit about um, the uh, 
the general demographics of the students coming in. They're, of course, they're all at different levels here. We said the, the degrees that you're offering. The nursing choice is still prom- predominantly being made by women. Can Dr. Olshansky, you give us an idea as to the, you know, uh, who's coming in, the men, the women, their ethnicity, uh, you know, and what kinds of vocational backgrounds they're bringing? Are they, are they leaving another career and starting um, nursing now because of some of the, um, the, the job security? What, what are we seeing in the entrance there? Well, we are actually seeing a combination of um, students coming in right out of high school into our um, undergraduate program. We accept them at the freshman year, and then it's a four-year program. But we also have um, what we refer to as transfer students or students who have studied in another area or at another university or perhaps at a community college, um, and they then transfer into our program. So we have people who have backgrounds in other areas, um, predominantly the biological sciences. In terms of the demographics, one thing that I tend to notice in my classrooms is that there really is no majority ethnicity. We have a a wide diversity of students. And also in terms of gender, nursing is still predominantly female, but we do have a significant male population, and more and more males are finding nursing attractive as a career. Okay. And um, I guess a sort of the nano question, let's say in the, the increasingly smaller courses or in the practicum. So uh, the, the um, uh, are the men contributing a little special piece to that or the men are taking the leadership from them? How's that sort of inner, that inter, intra-nursing trainee uh, dynamic looking? I'm just kind of curious yeah. myself. Uh, I, I think that that is, it, the, the different roles are actually distributed among the genders. I mean, even in in um, areas that nurses choose to go in, we have a few males that have chosen to go into the area of reproductive health, for example. Mm-hmm. So something maybe you wouldn't consider. So I think there's a real openness now in nursing uh, in relation to gender and the students interact as far as the intra issue, as you mentioned. Yes. The, the, um, the males and females interact, work together on, on various, um, in various areas. So it's actually heartening to see that. Very good. And those, for you have just joined us, my guest is Dr. Ellen Olshansky, professor and founding director of the UCI program in nursing science, the program offering a bachelor's, master's, and uh, PhD degrees here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, streaming all over the world, folks, on the web at KUCI.org. And we're talking about um, who's now coming into the program in terms of, um, as we were saying, background. And and uh, I always, um, and I was wondering about the um, the, uh, the vocational backgrounds because uh, I, I, I know from, um, you know, anecdotally, there are some people that just decided to change their career. And so it's not that they've tried so much transferred from an associate degree in a community college, but they've, they've left behind their marketing, their this or that, and they, uh, and you were talking about the men in this program, they're just, they're finding this to be um, more of a, a fulfilling kind of a career path to go down, and I guess that's, um, so there, that, there are those vocational shifts. That's right. You know, and actually to, to add to that, yes. a program that we don't currently have, but something that we are looking into and that I would love to create is what we call an ex- 
accelerated degree program. This is getting to your question about people who have previous vocations. Um, you are right, Claudia. There are so many people who have had other um, careers and would now like to make a transition into nursing because nursing is becoming a very attractive career. And so there are programs across the country, and I would like to develop one here, where we can accept students into an accelerated degree program that recognizes the credits that they have from a, a previous degree. Okay. Um, so, yes, that, that's a, a real trend. And maybe, uh, I not that you're going to give them credit for um, their vocational experience, but there may be uh, ways in which they can lift out of their, um, uh, you know, the, for the practicum part of their training there, there. There's some sort of direct application. Yeah, although it was more um, if they have a degree in something else, they can get some academic credit. I think the, um, the clinical experience that they would have to get in nursing would be very intense and you know, yes. they'd have to come out and, and make sure that, you know, we have certain credentialing requirements through the Board of Registered Nursing and, and all of that. So, of course, we would follow that. Of course, of course. Yeah. Well, um, I want to give you kudos, too, on your work, Dr. Olshansky, with the, the Association for the Advancement of Nursing Science and Research. It's a homegrown association that's promoting excellent nursing. And so you've been involved with contributing to that. Is there anything you'd like to tell um, the listening audience what uh, is in store from uh, that locally grown entity? Yes, I'm, I'm really happy to talk about that. This is actually an organization that was started a few decades ago by Athalie Clark. And Athalie Clark was Joan Irvine Smith's mother. Uh, she was very supportive of the health sciences, both medicine and nursing. And she started this organization called the Associates for the Advancement of Nursing Science and Research, or what we call um, as an acronym, ANSWER. And the purpose of that organization is to support nurses who want to um, do research. And through that organization, several nurses in our community have been supported. So recently, we um, kind of resurrected this organization and have created a new board of directors as well as an honorary board of directors. And we had an event last week at the community center at University Hills, about 140 people showed up, and this was including nurses and nursing leaders in the Southern California area. And our goal for this, um, for this organization is to continue with Mrs. Clark's vision of supporting nurses to do research. Um, and we're not limiting this to UCI, but to nurses in the Southern California region. So we're very excited about this. Um, and we do have a lot of support from the, the Swindon family, um, Jim and Madeline Swindon. Um, and and th so they are part of the Irvine family. And so we're very excited about this organization and the prospects of supporting nursing research. Well, I, I have to say that it's uncanny. We were just talking to uh, the executive director of the Irvine Museum last week, and the, the Swindons are involved in that cultural aspect, and it's it's really gratifying that they're really they're putting their privilege right out there to um, advance this. And I must say, Dr. Olshansky, from a a uh, 
a very dear association of mine who attended uh, the uh, the the group convened last week. Uh, she's yeah. she's a tougher customer and was very very positively taken by uh, the business uh, carried out there. So the resurrection is, <laughs> is <laughs> taking great. shape. Yeah. So uh, well then, uh, I'd like to ask um, about your um, your first nurse managed clinic in Orange County funded by the Health Resources Service Administration, a federal agency that you you received a, a $1.5 million grant. And uh, I'd like for you to talk about what that opportunity is unveiling uh, nursing students that uh, a, what means for developing a more of a, a greater awareness of underserved populations. Yes, I'm very happy to talk about this, and I want to um, put it within the context of the vision for our program in nursing science at UCI is very much focused on community engagement and serving the community and serving the underserved community. So we were um, able to um, to receive, as you said, $1.5 million for a, a grant to um, actually create and develop the first nurse-managed clinic in Orange County. This is in collaboration with Share Ourselves, which is a, a, was a free clinic and now is a newly federally qualified health center. Oh, good for them. As, yes, as well as with El Sol um, um, Science and Arts Academy, which is a charter school that serves grades uh, K through 8 in Santa Ana. So what the funding for this um, clinic does is allow uh, us to um, to have some of our nurse practitioner faculty actually practice at El Sol Charter School, and they provide care, health care, to the students and their families with the eventual goal of being able to provide care to the larger community in Santa Ana. Um, as far as our students, what they get, and this is very exciting, yes. we um, bring our students to the clinic, both our, our bachelor's and master's students. And it's, it's definitely um, a, a great place for our master's students to work with the nurse practitioner faculty and to do rotations as nurse practitioner students. Uh, but the really innovative part is that we're bringing our undergraduate students to get a real sense of what community health nursing is. So we bring mm -hmm. both our undergrads and graduate students, and it's a great opportunity for them to see um, community health, public health. Um, and one of the things that differentiates a baccalaureate program from an associate degree program is the emphasis on community and public health nursing. So this is in line with that. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I don't know if you, uh, I mean, you are the administrator uh, heading up all of these programs, uh, but have you a chance to um, get a sort of an anecdote of what some of those undergrads had been exposed to and the, their sort of life-changing uh, encounters? Yes, I think what they're seeing is the... Um, the real need for a greater focus on community health and public health, because what they're seeing is that, uh, that and, and I think this is really important, our goal in this grant was to develop what we refer to as a wellness clinic. But what we're seeing and what the students are seeing is that the um, the patients that come in for care yes. have many complex conditions. And this mm. gets back to the, the reason for the need to focus more on health promotion. These are people who have not had access to health care. Not all of them, but many have not had um, a great access to health care. And what they're seeing is that 
patients have comorbid conditions, um, they have very complex conditions, and so in order to get to our eventual goal of wellness, we're having to uh, really care for people with complex um, healthcare conditions, and the students are seeing why it's so important to be able to deliver culturally sensitive care within the context of the community in which the patients live. Absolutely. And I want to back up just about, so everybody's clear on comorbid. It's when you have two really serious health care conditions and they can, one of them can sort of uh, impede treatment of the other. And it's, uh, it's uh, just so everybody gets a feeling for that. And you may yes. have something more to add to that. Yes, no, that's exactly right, Claudia. And sometimes it's even more than two. But yes. it's definitely more than one. It yes. could, the MRSA, could, the uh, bacterial uh, carrier could be uh, compounding, compounded by having a uh, diabetic condition. Not, if not anything really clearing up. You get more and more a- amputations and more, uh, and, and the less mobility. And it's sort of, comf- it just, it's, oh, it's. Exactly. So we yeah. can understand what. So that's why I keep an eye on what, how much sugar people are eating earlier in their life because I'm thinking you don't want to have this uh, undermine some other health uh, situation that you may have. But they're they're not even thinking about that yet. But no, I, that's exactly right. And in fact, what you what you've said just made me think about another yes. part of what we're doing at at, at the um, at El Sol Charter School is developing some educational programs for the students on this very thing because, as you say, Claudia, when people are young, they don't really think about this, but we have such an epidemic of diabetes. You brought up diabetes as an example that's a perfect example. So much education needs to, um, you know, be administered to to people in terms of health promotion. Right, right. Well, um, those of you, uh, my guest uh, today, uh, those of you who just joined us, is Dr. Ellen Olshansky, professor and founding director of the UCI program in nursing science. And we're talking about uh, sort of the public health aspects here uh, that lead us to um, the importance of this uh, all-new um, program in nursing science with um, the HRSA. Now, as another, and it's, a, it's an older initiative, is the, the baby-friendly initiative originally put forth by UNESCO and the World Health Organization. Uh, Dr. Olszanski, how are you training your students to provide the best practices to support patients in breastfeeding? Um, that is one of the um, areas that we do. We, of course, teach OB and maternity nursing, and that's a central part of that is breastfeeding, um, teaching the student to be able to work with and spend time and teach the new mothers how to breastfeed, um, realizing that it's not just showing them how to do it and leaving the room, but being able to spend time, talk with them, help them understand why breastfeeding is best. Um, so that's definitely a, a part of what we do and, and a critical part of what it's we do. It's critical. I know I'm just thinking of a case um, last summer where someone with uh, mastitis thought that that was game over for her nursing career with her. And I think her child wasn't even you know, but a couple of weeks old, and uh, and and the were the nurses at the particular facility she was at able to to say no, we got it, we got to keep rolling here. I mean, really, um, that I think that initiative sort of is to sort of uh, make sure that all the staff does everything they can to keep educating the keep educating and keep educating the parents that uh, there there isn't as much a deterrent as they thought with continuing to nurse, so that uh, th- those terrific outcomes of at le- up to a, a year's worth of nursing, if possible, can, can be benef- 
yeah. the benefit that those children yeah. have. That, that is absolutely right. And then again, that's where education is key. Oh. And, and that is such a key part of what we teach our nursing students, that, that a, a very central part of their role is educating their patients. And okay. this is so important. So another aspect of nursing that I'm, oh, I'm so glad that Barbara Bodenhofer over at the, at Hewitt Hall was talking to me a, a, a while ago, and, I, and you're the one to help me uh, cover a little bit of this, is about, it's a kind of like a distant health care delivery, a remote uh, care, uh, where a, pub, a, a medical uh, health care deliverer is on at the residential scene with a patient with a fair amount of infirmities that's able to to telecommunicate the patient's vital signs and other things to the the, the station the, the the actual clinic so that um, as I, I look at it, is it's it's a way of for a patient who has difficulty getting um, to the doctor's office they're able in a more settled situation to give more accurate reads of their vital signs um, in you know from their home how how far along are we with instituting that kind of uh, in-home sort of relay of these important health details so that's something, that's a real um, new wave of, of healthcare, and they refer to that as telemedicine or telehealth, um, where we are really looking at increasing access. Well, we've always been concerned with access to healthcare, but one of the barriers for access to care is in some rural areas where there aren't as many healthcare facilities. So with this explosion of technology, we are finding that we can do this. We can have people be at home and receive care from a remote location. Um, so this is something that um, we, we have not um, really made this a central part of our nursing program now. Uh-huh. I think that that is something that will get there, will become more and more um, something that we focus on because, as I said, it's a trend in healthcare, and um, more and more people are starting to, to focus on this. So I think it's in, it, very important, and it is in line with our concern. You know, one of the areas where we are concerned with is health disparities and um, lack of access to health care. And this is one way that we can contribute to alleviating that issue. Absolutely. And it's, it, I guess I think of the added dimension that, that with that um, telecommunication that uh, the, uh, the health care givers at the clinic, office, hospital can get a peek around, you know, in the background, like what if there's like some hoarding, uh, de- some sort of a debris, a, a, an indication around uh, that uh, can tell much more about the patient than them uh, struggling and uh, coming to the, to the office late or not at all or something. Right. So I think what you're referring to is that they get maybe a, a glimpse into the context in which the patient lives. Exactly. And that's also, and, and so I agree with you. And another way that we get that, although it's, it's a different situation, is when uh, nurses go out as visiting nurses or public health nurses. Okay. But you're talking about getting to remote areas and rural areas, and that's so important. Oh, remote, or just, I can think of many a geriatric uh, situation, an anecdote, where they, they just getting to the doctor's office was, was tough work, and then by the time they get there, they've got such an elevated blood pressure that it, it, it inaccurately reflects, you know, their general disposition. So, that's right. Uh, so that, that, that's right. So that's another reason that this is so important. And, and I think you do bring up a good point. It's not just remote areas. It's recognizing the difficulty of, of people accessing care in the traditional way that we do it.
And I guess one thing more I'd just like to ask as we close the interview, Dr. Olshansky, the, um, I'm always curious thinking about the how the corporate model is performing in various arenas. Does the hospital magnet designation actually add value to patient care? Absolutely. The hospital magnet designation is, is the, the highest credential that um, nursing, that nursing service can get in hospitals. And, and so it, it definitely adds to patient care, to, to quality and safety. So it's very important. And um, more and more hospitals are looking to achieve this status. So I know that uh, from the rank and file, they have uh, they have some concern of whether it's a some there's some window dressing aspects of this. The the degrees or the credations and all that of the staff may may or may not reflect you know what the the actual uh, the nurses are doing and carrying out. So I, I it it was a, a critical question brought to my attention. So I, mm-hmm. I I wanted to bring that up and have and you know let patients. Take that question to uh, those points of service. Well, that's, that's a great question, and I think in any kind of credentialing, regardless of what it is, we have to think about what does it really reflect. What what reality does it really reflect? And um, my my hope is that we will continue to look at this credentialing and see how we can improve it. But I do think it's a great step forward in in um, having the nursing care in the hospital be recognized and accountable. Okay. Well, thank you uh, for coming on to uh, Ask a Leader, Dr. Olshansky, professor and founding director of the UCI program. Thanks for taking out time to be with us today. Thank you very much. Glad to have you. Well, folks, we're going to uh, ease into uh, the second after a little bit of a break that we um, will talk with Jessica Bravo, a dreamer and activist, recently catapulted into the public eye with her recent visit at Congressional Dana Rohrbacher's Washington, D.C. office. She'll join us here in Studio A to talk about the process of gaining residency documentation and uh, that well-known constituent visit. With, uh, after a brief break, we'll talk about that. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Quand tu t'en vas, je suis malade Complètement malade Comme quand ma mère sortait le soir Et qu'elle me laissait seule avec Mon désespoir, je suis malade Parfaitement malade The opinions and views expressed on this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about this show or other programs on KUCI, please log on to KUCI.org for the latest program schedule. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. It's my distinct pleasure to have you join us for... My, listening to my next guest, Jessica Bravo, she came to the States from Mexico with her parents when she was three years old. And you may have heard on Ask a Leader last September 11th, her brother Luis was one of my guests. He was six when the family arrived in the U.S. 
Now, Jessica is a freshman at Golden West Community College, is studying business administration and political science. She is a member of the Puente program and Puente Club. She could maybe talk about that a little bit at the college. And she is also, she's volunteering with the Orange County Congregation Community Organization. And as she talks about her efforts to settle in uh, to documented, uh, document existence here, she will... Um, post us today with me in Studio A, where she is making her radio debut. Jessica Bravo, welcome to Ask a Leader. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm really glad to be here. I'm excited. Oh, well, I'm <laughs> glad that uh, you know we get to have you here, because I know lots of listeners have lots of questions about what they're reading and all these different news outlets, but we're going to first take it from the top, Jessica, about this process. Not everybody's really privy to what it's like to um, docu- be- get your documentation in order for the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, or doc- DASA, DACA. It's oh, just, uh, DACA? DACA. So uh, this is uh, the result of President Obama's executive direction to uh, create some kind of path, not to the citizenship necessarily, but a path to documented residency. So how is that working for you? How long have you been working on this? How cooperative have various institutions been along the way to getting this um, residency situated? Uh, well, um, first of all, I'm really excited and, and thankful uh, that the president shows such interest in our community. And um, it has been uh, a learning process. Uh, both me and my brothers are eligible for for this uh, for deferred action. And uh, my one of my siblings and I uh, applied at the same time. Was that Luis? Or? Uh, no, oh, that a different was, brother. Yeah, a different brother. Okay, um, Daniel, and he he already received his uh, his work permit and uh, deferred action. Uh, but I'm still in the process, and I'm glad to say that there's a lot of organizations that are very helpful right now, and they're offering these these uh, the help for 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 students like myself and um, anybody who qualifies for deferred action. So it's it's such a great opportunity to have the community support as well. Well, Jessica, you're in a position on community radio to say which organizations have been uh, really helpful and supportive. So, so there's a lot of dreamers that are out there that um, you know want maybe they're not sure where to turn yet it's a it's a big move to make so maybe you could give a little lip service to those who've been you know helpful to you yes well uh any well our community organization oco uh we're very supportive on on this um issue as well and uh the oc dream team has helped me uh as well with their services that they've they've helped um provide for us so i think that's a great opportunity for anyone uh, that needs help out there and just a piece of advice i would say um would be to uh research and look into it yourself and you'll find such great opportunities that you know you can do it yourself and it's it won't it doesn't take much time it just takes a little bit of dedication so I think that's a great opportunity. Okay. And so you, along the way, you have to go to your school district. And uh, to what, where are the other places that you need to collect uh, documents that attest to your having uh, met all the requirements for uh, DACA? Well, some of the places uh, that I, I got my information, because it, it, dep- it depends case by case. Okay. Uh, but mine would be uh, the school district, medical records, uh, vaccines. Those are great. And any awards, because, I mean, we have to show, you know, that we're here and we're we're 
doing something good in the community. So awards are great. Okay. Okay. Fine. So um, right now you're um, you're studying a, a business administration and political science at Golden West Community College. How's that going? Yes. Well, I'm right now. It's I'm really excited to be in school, and uh, every t- every day I kind of like am more excited about it uh, because you go <laughs> because I right now I'm working on my general ed, but definitely business administration and political science are classes that I'm taking. Okay. And I am so <laughs> like indecisive because I want to do both, but I, I feel like every day I'm I'm getting closer to making you know, my, my final decision. And I, I think it's going to uh, benefit me in the future. And I'm excited to see what the future holds for me. Oh, fine, fine. Well, for those of you who've just joined us, my guest is Jackie, Jessica Bravo, Orange County College student and activist on Ask a Leader on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, streaming all around the world on KUCI.org. So uh, let's then um, let's go into this uh, much uh, covered now um, congressional visit you conducted two weeks ago. Uh, let's. What was it that you wanted to accomplish when you were in Washington D.C. on uh, Capitol Hill? Well, in D.C., uh, I, w- I had the opportunity to meet with um, to actually to go for a training on building relationships and continuing these relationships. So one of my uh, one of the many visits that I, I encountered in the Capitol was uh, with uh, Robacher and as well with... That's Congressional Phil- Dana Robacher. Dan- that's yeah. that's the, the congressman representing the district where you live. Yes, the 48th district, and as well as uh, other Republicans and Democrats uh, within uh, our county. Uh, so it was, it was a very exciting experience, I would say, because, I mean... It's just great to be out up there, you know, where where everyone is busy and getting ready to make all these laws. So it was. It it's was a whole nice different industry. Yes, <laughs> having government, making government. Yes. Uh huh. And so, did but did you have any particular goals? You had a a little uh, crib sheet of what you wanted to uh, uh, sort of uh, post or uh, ask a, a different representatives about, or what? What was it that you wanted to do specifically? Uh, yes, well, we wanted to create these these relationships, and personally, I wanted to get to know, uh, you know, the the legislators, and and you know, build these relationships with them because we we need their support as a community, and I think that's one of the greatest uh, ways to do it is, um, you know, get in contact with them because there are some great people out there. Okay, and so you had then. Uh the uh, advantage of being able to see a sort of a, a large cross section. Your group met with, uh, you know, over a hundred different representatives. Yes, senators uh, and and congressmen. Yes, we did. It was uh, it was such a great experience that the morning, you know, getting ready to to go out and and meet with our legislators from you know different countries. I mean, different states. Right. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> different states, and it, it was it was a nice experience. Okay, and so along the way, then uh, you there were different um, sorts of uh, parameters in each of the offices you visited. Some of them were they, uh, let's say, representatives of the actual office holders, and some of them were actual office holders. Was that re- what was the range of visits that you had? Yes. Well, in in my uh, experience, I got to meet with uh, more 
of the actual uh the office holders the office holders well done yeah <laughs> that's hard to do yes they're busy people <laughs> yes they are but it was it was such a great experience and i thank them for their time because yes they are always busy so it, it was nice um to get that that you know uh one-to-one with them so i think it was it was a great experience how were they in listening how are their listening skills <laughs> well well um some most i would most of them were were great very respectful um but there was just uh one incident that that was completely different than what i expected well let's let's talk about that you're t- you're thinking of congressional member dana rohrbacher and uh so let's let's start with the there was a parameter you were told that you had yes. 15 minutes nobody else gave you that kind yes. of a restriction on the visit no uh he made it very clear I only had 15 minutes. Okay. And uh, walking in there, like I said, um, I, I didn't expect uh, the reaction that I got. Well, what was it, it from was, the beginning? As, as, like I said, you know, we were walked in, and he made it clear he only had 15 minutes. And as I was giving the credentials of our organization, uh, because, you know, we want to tell him who we are. Right. And he was... He was disrespectful. He interrupted me. And then as I continued to tell him my story, I did mention that I was undocumented. Uh-huh. And the moment that I said that word, it completely changed the mood. And and his body language was just completely different. In what way? It, he he became tense and and it was it was just it was completely different. And, and the fact that I just said that word completely changed everything. And as I continued, uh, he he became very angry and like his voice began to raise like he began to point fingers at me. And he said, you know, I hate illegals. Uh, like what makes you so important? And and that's very hurtful. But oh my goodness. And, and it, it continued. He was just very his his voice raised and you know pointing fingers at me and after a while that he he began insulting me and we couldn't take it anymore we couldn't tolerate his disrespect and and you know bullying um me and and as i got up and we were we were walking out of the room he was right behind us like yelling at this point i was he's, crying he's following you out yes and and at this point i was crying because it was just all these emotions and and like I, I, that reaction I never expected. And as we were walking out the door, um, he asked, uh, "You registered to come into my office, right?" I, yes. I nodded my head because I, I couldn't even talk. I was speechless. And so it's an automatic response. You, you filled it in. So yeah, mm-hmm. you say yes, you did, right? Yes. And then, and then he points at me and raising his voice, he's like, "Well, now I know where you live." And and that to me is a threat to me and to my family and, and not just to us, but to my whole community that I was representing because my my goal was to walk in there. Right. And I'm OK if he disagreed with me. I'm, I'm perfectly fine. We're all entitled to our opinion. But the fact that we have to get respect, that, that we have to get disrespected because of our opinions I, I don't I don't believe in that and it's sort of antithetical to your you said your goal was to build relationships and to 
threat a threat is a sort of the antithesis of building a relationship. So th- this wasn't this wasn't the template you expected to work with. Uh, no, it, it it wasn't, and and I'm I'm ready to forgive and move on and continue because this is I'm not doing this just for myself. I'm not doing this just for my family, but I'm doing this for the 11 million aspiring Americans. Exactly. In my situation. Or not um, 11 million Hispanic. I mean, they're all, they're not all Hispanic. They're all from, from oh, all over the world. Oh, no, exactly. No, no. We, I, we are a diverse community. Right. And I, I think that's important that people need to um, acknowledge as well, because it's not just a, a Hispanic issue. And I am ready to, to continue this right. and forgive, um, you know, build new bridges and and continue with this movement because it, it's great and I'm really excited for it. Well, Jessica, you know that so many different media outlets have been covering this now. Um, and so I know my listeners are uh, have seen them too, that you said you're ready to forgive up. Why not uh, maybe write a, publish an open letter of, uh, you know, giving him that and sort of like as a follow-up to all the media. You might think of that too, um, you know. Um, what I wanted to... Uh, have you mentioned that you did also have an opportunity to meet with Congressman Ed Royce, also a, a member of the Orange County Republican congressional delegation. How was the reception you got from him? Uh, well, I personally didn't get to meet with him. But, but your, co- your the, cohort. Yes, our, our organization met with him. And it was completely different than um, my my experience with um uh, a Republican. How was it different? Did your uh, friends they were very same? open. Um, they were. They listened to to our opinions, and it's a uh, a relationship that we're working on to to keep building and make stronger and continue this conversation and civil conversation with with uh, all these legislators um, and congressmen because it's it's important, like I mentioned, and and we need all the support because it's an issue that needs to be addressed. And it needs to be addressed now. Well, and it's it's interesting because it one must feel very vulnerable taking a step like this. You have no idea, no guarantee. You're, there's not a law that's been enacted for this pathway to documented documented residency. So uh, you know, it's if this is a this is a new territory everybody's working on, and to have a, an office holder, a, a federal office holder, threaten you. I mean, this this is the person who represents you and yours um, in, from that congressional district. So it's, a, uh, it's, it's unfortunate, to say the very least, that um, this was a kind of a treatment that was given to you. And I, I'm sorry I can't have call-ins. And I know uh, there was somebody who tried to call in about five minutes ago. And I'm sorry I'm the only one engineering this show, folks, and I don't have an opportunity to screen calls and take calls with my microphone live. But I know lots of you have questions of Jessica, and some of you may have questions like, who did we just tune in here? It's, uh, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine on KUCI.org, streaming live on that web, and we're talking with Jessica Brava, who's uh, just two weeks ago was in Washington, D.C., building relationships with the um, the group, the members of the Orange County Congregation Community Organization, and she's relaying to us uh, what her reception was uh, with uh, uh, Congressman Dana Rohrbacher. I guess he didn't get the memo that Ed Royce and Ed- Eric Cantor got, but uh, so I don't know. Uh, I think the 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 press is now um, covering that he uh, he has a different version of uh, of the situation, and I've been checking into that and. Um, 
they're putting out there that the um, your compatriot um, Minerva Gomez uh, was present and provoking him, but uh, I understand that. Uh, that there is a he, they're trying a he said he said she said kind of a situation, but uh, Minerva Gomez informs me that there there was not any provocation uh, on her part. It was really these were threats that were uh, unilaterally offered from uh, the congressman, the, the office holder himself. Did you have anything to add to that, Jessica? Robin? Um, yes. Well, in regards to also with the meetings that we've had with previous uh, legislators, uh, we've had like. The, like I said, the opportunity to meet with staff of um, of our legislators and um, Ed Royce is is one of the the staff is one of the, one of the office holders. Yeah, mm-hmm. office holders that we've met with his staff, and yes, and uh, like going back to the 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 incident that happened in D.C. I'm like I said, I'm I'm I I don't want to create any enemies here. Uh, because we're all human beings and we should all be treated the same way, regardless of what our opinions are. And God created us all equally. And, you know, it doesn't matter what your opinions are, what your religious beliefs are, your gender. We should we're all human beings and we should all be treated that way. And that those are my values. And that's the values that my family has has engraved in me. And and it's just I think it's it's just. That's what it should be. You know, we're all humans, be- human beings, and we should be treated that way with respect. Well, I don't think all the shoes have dropped yet. And uh, and I do, uh, I do recommend that, you know, you could publish a letter of forgiveness to sort of uh, stay on the high road. And, uh, you know, uh, we're not talking about shaming Warbacher. We're talking about educating him since if he hasn't gotten the memo, he can get the letter. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, I, uh, and then we know that Scott Baugh, the chairman of the Republican Party of Orange County, uh, and he also he served as the statewide finance committee member for Mitt Romney. His response in general has been uh, it's he's showing signs of enlightenment on immigration reform. So he's getting a memo. So uh, I don't know that he's responded to the Rohrbacher visit yet. Has he um, been directly in touch with the um, OCO group yet? Uh, well, uh I'm I'm glad to say that I've seen that he has very um, various interests in you know like he's very interested in in working with our community and and that's something great. Um, he we've reached out to him. Okay, and, good uh, for you. <laughs> and we're we're waiting for responses, but I'm very excited to create these new relationships uh, with you know Republicans, Democrats, um, new leaders, organizers. Uh, you know, working together is is how we're gonna get. Uh, come about, you know, um, finding a solution and working together. And and as we're talking, we're giving so much, so putting so many bright lights on uh, Congressman Rohrbacher's, uh, you know, conduct. He has made immigration one of like the one of the two major um, issues that he's worked on. So it's not like he was broadsided with some sort of arcane uh, public policy item. This this is mm-hmm. his bread and butter. So that's that's why um, I think it's important that we give coverage. And I I want to applaud um, the activism that you're showing. You're just a young. You've just finished high school and started college, and you've you're uh, you're ascending a, a steep slope in documentation uh, to make your residency uh, fully fully legal here and so um, we're 
uh, we're um, very mindful of how much courage that you're demonstrating in a very asymmetric kind of an, uh, a meeting place. And um, I want, for those of you who would like to know more about OCO, it's the Orange County Congregation Community Organization, and you can uh, find them on the web at O-C-O-P-I-C-O.org. I hope I put the right number of C's this time. I'm not sure I did for <laughs> Louise. And, and they have an office number, 714-612-5028 where you can find out what they're up to. They, they deal with uh, immigration issues, labor issues, and so many others that I wouldn't know about, but I will eventually as I <laughs> get to meet more and more of the members. So uh, I, d- did you have any uh, sort of a takeaway message that you would like, Jessica Bravo, to offer uh, listeners in terms of their engagement in these heady, heady public issues? Uh, yes. Uh, first of all, I would like to say thank you to to you. and, and Oh, you're so welcome. But- <laughs> Talk, talk to the listeners. And, what, what do they need to, to know? And to everyone get- else out there that's listening, because it's so important. These these issues um, are around us on a daily life, and you know, it's now's the time to act. And you know, myself and my family are working together on these issues, and I love the support that my family is showing. And I would like to thank them as well, and and my the organization that I volunteer with. Uh, so you know, now's the time to act, and. We can't let this this issue keep going for any longer. You know, we're we're human beings and everyone should be treated like a human being and with respect. And I'm, you know, one something I would just, you know, now is the time and and I'm very excited and I hope everyone is excited for this because change is going to come and I'm excited for change and to see what the future brings for everyone. Well, hats off to you, Jessica Bravo. You're an example to what engagement looks like, feels like, and could be like. And uh, I, I applaud you. Thank you for coming to Ask a Leader today with us. Okay, thank you. And good luck to everybody. And give give Minerva a shout out and all your, your three brothers that are yes. <laughs> all at various stages along the yes. way. Well, before we close, um, tonight on Frontline on Public TV will be a very thoughtful consideration of Nancy Lanza, mother of Adam Lanza, um, raising her, her, her son. Uh, excuse me. By all early reviews, I understand this is going to be a, a thoughtful examination of the choices she made raising her Asperger son, uh, who later carried out the massacre in in Newtown, Connecticut. And all though the local Connecticut police, they're still putting together all aspects of the case. This program, I think, comes at a time for parents around the world to reflect on some of those sort of gray area questions about what is what was happening, what was she thinking, what could she do. So stay tuned for more details about uh, uh, a hearing this Thursday evening uh, in Costa Mesa regarding the reopening of one of the two San Onofre reactors. And next week on Ask a Leader, uh, Bruce Blumberg will talk about his research on the obesogene uh, brought to our attention with a lovely editorial by Nicholas Kristof in New York Times recently. And I've got to wish yesterday a happy 80th birthday to Yoko Ono. Well, that's it for today. George Had a Hat is up next. I want to thank you for listening. See you. Talk to you next week. 